0: get started Isaiah chapter number 64 Isaiah 64 Yeah uh, the if only the if only of scripture if only If only, Lord, you would tear apart the sky and come down. The mountains would tremble before you. Without your presence, Lord, we can do nothing. Without you, Lord, we, we don't even go up. We go up because of you. We come here united together for you. For you, Lord, are we together, together. If only you would tear apart the sky and come down. The mountains would tremble before you as when fire ignites dry wood or fire makes water to boil. Let your adversaries know who you are and may the nation shake at your presence. You are the one, you are the God that performed the awesome deeds that took us by surprise. You came down And the mountains trembled before you. Even in our time, even in ancient times, no one has heard or perceived. No eye has seen any God besides you who intervenes for those who wait for him. You assist those who delight in doing what is right. Who observe your commandments. Look, you were angry because we violated them continually. How then can we be saved? We all are like one who is unclean. All of our so-called righteous acts are like... minstrel rag in your sight we all wither like a wheat leaf our sins have carried us away like the wind no one has invoked your name or made an effort to take hold of you you had rejected us and handed us over to our own sins yet Lord you are our father and we are the clay and you are our potter We all are the product of your labor. Look, Lord, do not be too angry and do not hold our sins against us continually. Take a good look at your people, all of us. Your chosen cities have become a desert. Zion has become a desert. Jerusalem is in desolate ruin. Our holy temple are our pride and joy. The place where our ancestors praised you has been burned with fire and all our prized possessions have been destroyed in light of all this lord we ask you not to hold back we ask you this morning not to hold back we ask you that you would see us as your people and that you would rend the heavens and come down We ask you to break the silence on this nation and the nations of the world to bring about a historic great awakening, a historic awakening, Jesus, have your way with us this morning.
1: singing, to see what heaven is doing, open our ears, open our eyes, to see what heaven is doing, to hear what heaven is singing, tune us God, tune us God. again, with the love you always give, meet with us again, until we get all of you gone, and all creation knows just how wonderful you are, oh. Left in this worshiping world is just for. are stilled by compassion that you feel and how the winds blow away all the sins that you forgave and how your mercy endures until the very end of days the very end of days for Warrior. Oh, the victorious warrior! Oh, victorious warrior! Shout us out! to the left don't look to the right oh look straight into his eyes he's drawing us up and he's coming down oh sky meets land sky meets land heaven meets earth god heaven meets earth heaven meets earth heaven meets earth god here inside all these temples Sha And the lightnings, we wanna come closer, we wanna come closer, we wanna come closer, we wanna come closer. Oh, I wanna see your skin, I wanna see your eyes, I wanna see the fire God, I wanna come closer, oh, I wanna come closer. It's not enough to have Moses do it for me. Oh, I wanna come closer, it's what your blood paid for. It's what your blood paid for to come boldly to the throne. So to the throne we go, 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 boldly, boldly covered in the blood, boldly covered in the blood, to the throne. out for you, longs for you, the presence of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit come. Oh, angels, come and lead us. Oh, angels, come and help us. Oh, angels, come and help this feeling that there's these thoughts, there's these thoughts that there are these chains, and they can be, you know, stuff that you hold yourself under judgment for, maybe stuff that other people hold you under judgment for. You know, in the ascent to God, the chains fall off. In the ascent to heaven, the chains fall off. So don't think about them. Don't even give them a moment's thought. Just keep your eyes focused on the throne. Keep your eyes focused on God. And you'll watch. All these things, they just fall down. They just fall off. God is victorious. Repent if you have to. Let go if you have to. But just keep your eyes focused on God. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. It doesn't have to be, you know, bawling and crying. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Just repent and then turn your eyes back to Him. And then go up. He's coming down.
0: Seeing that He sent His Word, it says He sent His Word and um, and what healed them. And um, I've been waiting on this cue because the Holy Spirit keeps sharing with me that we got a number of broken hearts in here, and I, I'm not—I don't know if it's something that's happened to you this week or it's been happening, or but there there is a release of God's Spirit uh, right now for the healing of the broken heart. Oh, because He wants to take us up into the Spirit. And I don't know if what you're dealing with this morning... Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask You... As You send Your Word and heal us... I pray for Your great healing anointing to come on this room... For the healing of the broken heart... Jesus... Oh, Holy Spirit... I pray for your release, Lord, of the healing bomb of Gilead. Release. Release, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let Him touch you in your heart, in the deep places. We can stay right here with the Lord. You don't have to go anywhere. Oh, Lord. Oh, you sent your word and healed us. Heal our hearts so that we might believe heal us Lord You. One way he'll have to flee seven. Trust in you. Just keep sharing this with me. Um, It has to do with expectation. We know in the word it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because many of us have had expectations that we have believed that would be delivered upon. I love this verse. My wife, she said this to me many times. She said, you know, hope deferred makes a heart sick. And she had heard that many times in her life. But she, she found the other side of the passage in the Bible. And it says, when desire cometh, it is a tree of life. we've found is when you know, and the, and the Lord works this way, when you know that you fundamentally are desired by Him, when we know that He desires us, oh, that He loves us, on the other side of that, that expectation, well, it may not look exactly like the way that you thought it would look. God will outdo your expectation. He'll make it better. He'll, 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 up the, he'll up the game. He'll make it better than what you had expected. But first, but first, and this is what we're willing to do here in this event, when desire cometh. Oh, I'm desired of you, Lord. I'm desired of you, Lord. Oh, well, you want me, Lord, and you like me, Lord. Now, how could that be in my sin, Lord? But you like me, Lord. You want me, Lord. You want to be with me. You want to hang out with me. What's it feel like to be liked? To not judge ourselves anymore. No, come under any other judgment. But to be desired by you, Lord. Just stay with the Lord in this. This is where I found him to be so many times. On the other side of this. On the other side of this place. Let our soul reach out to you, Lord, as you reach down to us. If you like, just put your hand on your neighbor and pray with your neighbor. Pray for them.
1: Just like you. sure that I see, I start to realize what I can't perceive. With every picture that I see, I start to realize what just for you. I will respond to your voice when you call, as surely as the dawn. I will respond to your heart pouring out, as surely as the dawn.
0: perspective right now. We're in the inner court, okay? This is where we're seated with the Lord. It's dark in there. Try to visualize with me. Look to your left in the room. In front of you is the golden altar of incense. And to your left is the menorah. And to your right is the table of shewbread. It's dark in here. It's opaque. Now look to your left. Look at the seven spirits of God. You can draw on the seven spirits of God. I need wisdom, God. I need the fear of the Lord. the Seven Spirits of God. You visualize this place. I sing to you, Lord, a new song. I want all that you have for life and godliness. I need revelation, I need direction. Well, the seven eyes of God, the seven spirits of God. So, increase us in wisdom and the revelation and the fear of the Lord. Release us, Lord, to know knowledge, to know you. we So
1: in your heart then just sing them out that's called being prophetic that's called prophetic worship sing out the scriptures that the lord has given you if you're hearing a phrase if you're seeing a picture sing out the picture sing it out loud not just inside sing it out loud So
2: For within you,
1: fountains of light, oh healing for the nations, healing for the nations, healing for the nations, Healing healing for the nations, oh, healing for the nations, oh, healing for the nations, oh Programs that they made won't work. Oh, all these programs won't work. Oh, fountains of blood pouring forth, healing for the nations, coming up from inside you, inside your belly. We are doors, we are temples, the healing for the nations, for the nations, for the nations, oh, healing for the nations, oh, for the nations, oh, for the nations, oh, the nations, oh God.
0: of the Lamb of God. Psalms 2, 6, I myself have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. The king says, I will announce the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. This very day I have become your father. Ask me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The ends of the earth as your personal property. When we rise up, when you rise up and worship, <clears throat> and you decree in partnership with the Father's decree concerning His Son, and we partner with Him and we say, Worthy is the lamb that was slain. You deserve all the glory, all the honor is due to you. And when we partner with him in that, we partner as sons and daughters. Yeah. Him, our elder brother.
2: Yeah.
0: who purchased us. And see, we give thanks to you, Lord. Right? And when we do when we decree out of our mouth what the father has decreed about his sons in that way we are sons and daughters of the father when we agree and two or three agree right touching any one thing in the greek homo the same legeo we say the same thing we say back to you what you say about your son And in that way, God's glory um, comes when we agree. And the sonship with the Father that he knows becomes sonship with the Father as we know. And oh, the glory of knowing that you're not an orphan, but you and I are sons of the Father. And yes, some of us may be technon. You know this word? We may be children in our faith, but we will grow up to we us, right? And we will become sons. And in our maturity, the father has adopted us so that we could share in a joint airship together. So no more competition, no more striving, us corporate, the sons and daughters of our father, the greatest revelation to your soul. Is when you realize that he lives and moves and has his being in you. That I may be found in him, Paul said. Then he says, ask me. Don't be afraid to ask him. Ask him. Ask him. And notice what he says. Ask me and I will give the nations as your inheritance. When Jesus, you know, one way I heard this said to me years ago, and I'd read it, I believe out of 2 Samuel 7, he said, if you'll build my house, I'll build yours. What does it say here? It says, and I'll give you the ends of the earth as your personal property. Your inheritance comes from your sonship with the Father, so that we don't have to compete for scarce resources anymore. We don't have to dominate in our niche, we can bless. And in that blessing, in that release, comes your personal property. Because he has that, so shall we. And he says in Hebrews chapter two that he was not ashamed to call us, what? Right, he's calling us his brothers. He's not ashamed and, well, some of you have had family members that you don't necessarily want coming to the family reunion. And some of us, we look quite a sight, but Jesus says he's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed of us. So we can show up with the father and relate with him. And he says, ask of me. Now, was a large part of a little bit of debrief on the worship, your expectation, right? Many of the wounded heart has been because we We had seen something we wanted to see come to happen in our life a word that the Lord has given us And the Lord doesn't want us to draw back believe it's in Hebrews Four or so it says my soul has no pleasure in them that draw back but see When you feel that vacancy like you we experience here In worship because this is a modeling place for you And all of us to know how to move through Leadership really godly leadership is just to model that like model how to get into the presence of the Lord and receive from him Not to lord over but to model by going in Right when we started Collider back September 20th. I said Lord, what do we do? He said just lose yourself in front of the people And let give permission for the people to lose themselves too So go ahead lose yourself, and you're doing that, and you see, I see this, the Lord sees this, and our hearts, though, have been broken through many things, many of us, because we went up to the Lord, and you feel that, that pressure, or that thing, and it's like stopping you, I want to, I want to encourage you, that if God has given you a word, and you know him, and he knows you, that you do not get forlorn, that you do not back off, that you keep on moving through those obstacles that you're dealing with and you trust the Father's goodness. Um, I've said this in my podcast before, but faith is the title, deed, hope for the objective proof of an unseen reality. God's relationship to you is always objective. Everybody says, no, that's subjective. But when the Lord relates to you, he'll give you two witnesses or three witnesses. And you, when you know that, when you have that two or three witness with the, with the Lord, you stand your ground in the impossibility because that is the only way to progress in sanctification and in your life with God. Do not back off your position. Don't, because what happens is when we do that, we begin to eat. We eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. Don't look at your circumstance and everything around you that's telling you this can't come off. Look only at Him and keep keep this steadfastness. We find this in worship. Like the presence of the Lord, when you move into the presence of the Lord, He will deliver His power. Uh, We have some uh, sermons that were done here on promise and oath. And you can go back if... If you don't get our emails, um, talk to one of us before you leave today and we'll make sure you get your, the emails. But some of our earlier messages, we dealt with promise, excuse me, promise and oath or the release of God's presence which will deliver His power. And sometimes there's a distance between God's promise to you and the release of of, of His power. or And so the way you access this is you, you get into an agreement with Him about what He says in your life, and then you wait on the Lord, and this um, security comes into your soul, and you say, I believe at the end of everything I can do, the Lord will come and deliver on His promise to you. My family, and probably the only reason why I can even preach from Him is because I have learned Him in this way, that He will deliver if you will hold the line and believe what He says to you. He will deliver every single time. And do not back off of your promise. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard said, in the first movement of presence with God's promise, you will come to a place of infinite resignation. What does that mean? You have done all that you can do. And there's nothing left for you to do. All you do is then... I read it at the very beginning of this message, Isaiah 64. Wait for him, wait for him, wait for him. You wait on the Lord. When you've done all you can do, you what? And when you've done that, you stand. You say, you know what, I stand fast. I will not move off my position. And you may feel the shakedown and the, you know. We experienced it a lot with gas and food. (laughs) You know, that was a training ground, probably a thousand evolutions of that. Drive out, no fuel, amber light. I'll deliver. No, there's no way, Lord. Every single time. Uh Kara and I, as many times, sit there with a the last cup of coffee. Now, some of you, you don't we don't like that. I didn't like it. But see, the Lord made you to be dependent. He didn't make you to be independent of him. When he created a human, he made us for full dependency. So why fight it? Get the promise of God. Get your sec- your two objective proof or three objective proof reality. Hold the line. Don't back off. Wait for Him. Wait for Him. Wait for Him. You come to the end of whatever you can do. Wait in faith. Boom. He'll deliver. Every time. So hope deferred makes a heart sick. But when desire cometh, it is a tree of life. And what will happen is... I've seen this so many times. It doesn't matter anymore if you win or you lose. It doesn't matter if even so much your objective gets mad. It's like he's there. And you're like, you're all I ever wanted. And as soon as that happens, mark the words of Scripture and a testimony. He'll come through. Every time. So you can move out and trust him. Now that is the nature of what it means to be a Christian. And so this is Christianity 101. <laughs> this isn't like for the elite. This isn't for the crazy. This is for you. <laughs> this isn't what I'm talking about and giving to you. Is not like, oh man, that's some kind of elite status. I could never do that. Nope, nope, nope. It's for you and your, pri- your prayer time and your time with the Lord. It's, it's for you right now. And every progress you'll make in God will be according to that methodology. There is no progress other than that. So don't draw back. Go in. And then when you don't see it, go in again. And when you don't see it, go in again. Because eventually your eyes will look only at him. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Abram hoped against what? Hope. One of those hopes in the Greek, the direct object, is Sarah's womb. The other hope in the Greek is God himself. And when his eyes got on God, she became pregnant. You see how this works? It's the lifting up of the head. From whence cometh our help? Our help comes from where? Where? The Lord. Where?
2: The Lord. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like him. I'm pretty crazy about him now. You get a little crazy. You get a little peculiar and you're characterized maybe a little bit odd, but don't worry about that. That's just the nature of being a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Like we kind of like the people sort of, well, some people don't, but they're just a little bit tweaky, you know, what's wrong with them? (laughs) You know, what happened? I lost my dignity. I don't want to scare you, but you know, there is a F odd that David danced with. Oh, man, there's a place where you can throw off all the, all the pretentiousness and the pride and all that and just go crazy for him. And I want you to enjoy that here. And if you get a little more, go out there and do it as well. But don't let this thing, let the Lord just take it all, take everything and just have you. Because you're amazing. And no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him, called according to his purpose, what will happen with you amen i want to take a morning offering um if if you give on paypal it's info at double o m z dot org and that stands for order of melchizedek and if you write checks it's oomz or double o m z or order of melchizedek but make it oomz let me pray over you this morning for the lord's blessing come down on you As we get another opportunity, as we move in faith to trust the Lord, even in the realm of finance, Lord, I pray in this room that this revelation, I I know this happened to our family, and it's really been a huge blessing in my family, Lord, to understand and come into an understanding of finance. I pray, Lord, that you would help our congregation here to grow deeper in the knowledge of you related to the Malachi 3, the 2 Corinthians 9, that you give... Bread to the eater and seed to the sower. Lord, that you said we could try you in one area. And Lord, that that you would pour out a blessing on us that we cannot contain. And I pray, Lord, for uh, people in this room, your beloved Lord, that you would increase their container sizes. uh, Because of the limitation that they've been in, they want to move into another dimensional space in their life. Because you have this great vision for their life. I pray you'd open up that uh, understanding so they could frame their futures and construct into the future so they can enter into that new space. And I bless your people, Lord, as they give in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Let's stand together and turn to Luke chapter 3 verse 18. Luke chapter three, verse 18. And in this way, with many other exhortations, John proclaimed good news to the people. But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil deeds that he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, the heavens opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my dear one, my dear son. In you I take great delight. Let's pray together. Lord, here we are again. <clears throat> Submit to you and at the authority of your word that your word, like we were hearing in worship, Lord, you sent your word and you healed us. And we I I ask you, Lord, for the sending of your word to come in into our souls, and it would be. It would just usher right down into the very um, marrow of our bones, the deep tissue muscle in our uh, muscular system into the electrical charges in our <clears throat> components of our brain. Lord, I pray that your word would come and your word would so alive in us and so do a creative work in us even because you had authorized preaching, that you said that that we would struggle in our faith if we did not hear the preaching of the Word. And in this hour, where we, I, I pray that you would cause in this great end-time awakening, this great end-time move, that you would cause the song of the Lord to go forth, the writing of the Lord to go forth, and the preaching of the word, that it would be in power, that you would empower preaching. We would eat from your word, and we would be strengthened by your word, and that we would love your word. And I, I pray not just for Logos, but a revelation to come into our souls this morning. May this word speak deeply to our hearts. Turn us to rectify ourselves right towards you, and our eyes will be fixed only on you as we taste and see that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It says in this way, Uh, John had a particular, I, I believe, uh, delivery style. Uh, we know that his delivery was unique in his day because I don't think even in their day that they were looking for a guy that was hanging around in camel's hair, um, Nazarite, and eating locusts and wild honey in the middle of the wilderness. John had a way. He was peculiar. He was different in his generation. He He didn't come off in the outward appearance like everyone else. I I remember years ago the Lord saying, you must bear a stigma. You know, we'll hear Paul say, don't be conformed, right, to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. John baptized Holy Ghost in his mama's womb. He's been listening to the Spirit since before he was even born. And the characterization of John was unusual. I I don't know, how many of you in here ever had to take like a temporary, or I don't think we have any long-term Nazarite vows? Anybody? Okay, I have. That really is an interesting thing to take. Um, some people, they kind of look on you with admiration. Other ones look on you with contempt. You know, because in the Nazarite vow that John was in, Numbers chapter 6, there were three prohibitions. One, he he had to have his hair not cut. Samuel was like this. Samson was like this. Paul will take one. John was one. So you could not cut, you can't cut, like, Right here on the neck, all the way up onto your whole head, and so the hair comes down, and a lot of these guys, I suppose, had to dread their hair because it, it would just be flowing down their you know feet by then. You know, big beard you know, I don't know if they braided them or what they did with all that. Can't have anything from the vine. No raisins, no grapes. No grape juice, no wine, none of that. And then you can't be near a dead body or a carcass of an animal. And people don't like it when you don't come to the funerals. Um, It can hurt people's feelings really bad when you don't show up for someone passing away. Or you can't go out to the graveside or you can't be near the dead. John, from birth, was characterized by stigma. John wasn't like everybody else, but John was still human. And so when it says, and in this way, he came forth to exhort. Um, There's this passage in Scripture that says that we should have consolation or something that's Extent. I'm not saying this perfectly, but of Elijah, because Elijah was a man of like what? Passions. Elijah was a man just like any man would be in here. He was oriented just like we are. And yet God got his hand on Elijah. John, the Baptist, is going to preach in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus is even going to say, if you can receive this, he is Elijah. Don't ask me what that means. I have no idea. He had the spirit of Elijah on him. And he has this kind of uh, Malachi 4, 5 and 6 heart in him. I want to see covenant. I want to see the family restored. I want to see marriages made right. I want to see with... I have a burning heart of compassion that there would be a transfer of blessing into the next and the next generation. He, John is burning hot on fire for covenant and family. Why? Malachi 4, 5, and 6... The restoration of all things. Elijah's coming, Matthew seventeen, he will restore all things, referencing back to Malachi four, five, and six. What does it say? And he will turn the heart of the father to the children, and the children to their fathers, unless he comes and smites the earth with a what? A curse. John's passionate for covenant. He's passionate for family. He's passionate for the restoration of the home. The Lord set him apart from Holy Spirit uh, from birth, pre-birth, and said, I'm going to raise up an end-time messenger. Because, listen, this spirit of Elijah is coming on this end-time age. I'm going to raise up a passion and a zeal To put back together what has been broken in family. I want my families put back together. Now John. Anything that comes against covenant. He's going to. Bring forth a sword of the spirit out of his mouth. Anything that's dividing husband and wife. The children. Anything. John would be really quick, to get this message out. He's an exhorter. I would say he was a provoker. I want to provoke you to jealousy for covenant with the Lord. I won't I want you so dedicated to this man Jesus that he's talking about that you would not violate anything in your life, both in a private way and in a public way. And, and, and I'm not just a spokesman, John. is isn't just a spokesman. The messenger and the message are one. The Lord doesn't want charlatans. He's not into charlatanism. He's not in like throwing this big thing out there, but you're doing something on the side. He's not into side hustling. (laughs) You don't hustle the gospel. You don't do it. I'm going to build my side hustle over here and then be myself over here. And then I'm going to be another person over there. The Lord's not into that. The Lord's into you being true to him. Listen to this word, Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse eighteen. I give thee the power to get wealth, so that I may establish what? Do you know this covenant? Your blessing and your inheritance is a direct relation to your covenant with the Father and in your family. You, you. I mean, look at our day—the attack on covenant. It's it's everywhere. That they're they're doing everything they can out there, the world systems coming against covenant. They're they're saying <clears throat> some of them they're they're doing it like through a socialistic methodology. Even some beyond that, communism. Some on the right are pursuing free market capitalism. And they're doing it that way. A lot of the function, and I'm not saying this about everybody, about these two systems, but in these two systems, a lot of it, it functions based out of greed. And see, when God made us, when he made you, he made you to give. He made us to be a blessing, and then in that way, we're blessed. His way of doing things. um, A few years ago, it took me three and a half years ago to teach through the gospel of Mark. And one thing I learned is the Lord kept on, like these guys kept getting mad at him, the political guys and the religious guys, because he kept undermining the way they did economics in the false sense, in the wrong sense of tithe and in the wrong sense of taxes. He's like, your presuppositions, what it's doing is you're trying to master over people and you're creating whole systems of empire to master over the people. And you're doing it from a right-based way and a left-based way. They're no different. They're just functioning in two different ways. One's circular and one's like straight to the point. (laughs) But they're still based in the same idea. And John is being sent to say, stop it. Stop it. What the father wants is relationship with you, his children. He wants to relate to you so that you'll become a giver. He wants you to open your heart up and open yourself up to be a blessing. I tell you the truth, and you know this in your families. You know this, dads, if you deal with any time with anxiety related to finance and trying to take care of your family, you know how it can shut you down. Hey, I I know I'm a dad, so I won't speak for all of y'all, but I can speak for me. And I know when that pressure will come on you, and then my wife will say, do you like me? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I love you. Are you sure? And I found in myself what was happening was, As soon as I would move out of trusting the father, it would automatically translate immediately to her that she somehow wasn't loved. But as long as I kept my eyes on him as father and I was a blessing and I didn't try to hold what I had, instantly there's a release on her and the whole family and we have six kids. And so this really shows up really fast. It shows up really fast in the home what kind of methodology that you operate your family in. And we, we discovered that a high view of sin, which is called governmental theory, well, what it would do is it would, if everybody did everything right, you could kind of stand back. You say, oh, you did good, so I approve of you. If you don't do good, I don't approve of you. And it pushes the children away. Well, we find also a high reward theory, which is a left-based way of thinking, candy for everybody, you know, <laughs> ice cream, free for all, we don't care what you do, just have fun and know that we uh, kind of love you, sort of, or are trying to appease you. And, and we find that a, a, high, a high view of sin and an imbalanced view of reward and a high view of reward and an imbalanced view of sin is dangerous for a family. And then I, I, we, we came to understand this what the Lord was looking for in the realm of atonement in your family was penal substitutionary atonement. But boy, it was going to take some love to be able to do this one. You know why? Because it meant that I'm going to have to lay my life down and get involved with you. You do something that you're not supposed to do. Well, we're going to come in with truth and talk about it But it might cost me. I might have to go in and repair that thing that was done wrong or restore it. Or I might have to take up the charges of someone else within my family life. And something inside, you feel this resistance, you know, sometimes. I don't know if you did or do, but I have and might still do. (laughs) Yeah, but you did that wrong. And now it's costing me. It's costing the whole family. But will you in love go return and say, I want to model for you the gracious, loving father that he's become to me. And that I don't have limited resources. I have unlimited resources. Well, you spent all that money. That's not my wife. Just let me tell you. She's frugal as they come. So I'm not saying that about her. But somebody might say, you, you spent all our resources. Now we don't know how we're going to take care of this. You know, what am I going to do about it? But in truth, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Maybe we should talk about it. But I'm going to go and make this right myself. You see, when God, what, what the Lord did at the cross was, he and I can't even give, I can't even bear witness to what Jesus did at the cross. i I'll try. But we'll we'll be fascinated with him at the cross for eternity. But what he did up there, what John's getting at, what he's preaching about, I'm going to take up charges for all of y'all. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pay the price even if I don't get anything out of it. Even so much so that I might feel the agony of the loss of my relationship with Father, which, let me say, none of us have experienced that in our salvation. I'm going to do this for a people that don't even like me. Maybe even for a people that hate me. And this is the beauty of what John is going after in his exposition, his exhortation. He's saying, Listen listen, this man that's coming, he's going to not only take your sins away, he's going to give you his reward. I mean, there's so much counseling going on and there is so much help, self-help going on. And Jesus is like, look, John's like, look, this man that's coming, he'll take away your sins. He'll burn them with a hot fire. He'll not only take away your sins, he's going to give you his reward. It's called double imputation, if you want to know the technical theological term. But he's doubly imputed to you the freedom from sin and his reward. Imagine John, like, he understands all this, and we look at this text today, and he says, he rebuked Herod the Tetrarch. (laughs) You ever felt little before? Like in the eyes of man, and like, like your voice doesn't really count. Can you imagine some crazy guy out in the middle of the wilderness, and Herod, the edifice of his great empire, standing in the background, and you're down there in this Jordan River in the mud, and uh, you're all—you've been eating locusts and you eat wild honey, and you're just—and—and—and and, and you're going to rebuke Herod. With his majesty, the king. I mean, John's some kind of boldness. You got to love this guy because he's like, we can't have this in our land. He's not getting on to Herod about what Herod's done, he's getting on to Herod about his family. What his brother's wife has done. Man, people do not like that. I just want to tell you, they don't like you coming into their family telling them what they should do, much less telling one guy what his brother shouldn't do. You want to make somebody mad, you do that. Don't you talk about my, don't you talk about my mama. (laughs) You know, don't you talk about my brother now. Now you cross the line, blood's thicker than water. Don't you ever do that. I'll cut you off. It it seems like to me that we see an equality of this man, John. He's more concerned for the glory of God and the majesty of Jesus than he is necessarily what social convention tells you. Why, Why are you getting in my business? Stay out of my business. Especially stay out of my brother's business, right? And especially stay out of my brother's wife's business. It makes this guy so mad that he locks him up in prison. Now you have to understand, this is the context at the end of the age that the Lord's not going to divorce truth from love, that the greatest love in family is truth. You know, uh, we say this in our family a lot. Truth without love is brutality. But love without truth is hypocrisy. That we need a healthy, we, we need truth. You know you can be, uh, have confrontation in your life, okay? Um, for me, a lot of my life, I kind of ran from confrontation. I didn't really want to engage in confrontation. But there comes a time in your life, there, there comes some situations that you may be going through, and if, if you don't get to the bottom of the truth with it, in love... You can't progress in the relationship. Anybody know what I'm saying? You can't go forward. Anybody had this happen? You know what I mean. When you just cannot, it wouldn't matter what the other person says or does. If there was not an agreement of the truth done in love, your relationship has to stop there. And usually all relationships divide over that. They divide because... Because truth can't be represented in love rightly. And sometimes this is really difficult because it can put you in a place where you have to pull away from the relationship. Sometimes you're doing that because if you've represented truth in love, you, <clears throat> you, uh, and the other person just, just, just throws you off and says, I'm not going to whatever, you have to pull back. You know, there's another side to that. I'm sure uh, many of you know, because if you've had this sort of happen to you, you've had someone come and try to talk to you. And if ever, let me tell you this, if anybody ever comes and tries to talk to you and they lay out a big context, know that the context that they're laying out for you is not what they're necessarily going to say. Don't get caught up into the context. You know what I'm saying? A person has to build a big narrative around what they're saying so that they can present what they really want to say. It takes some diligence in yourself to sit there and listen to that. Sometimes, being a pastor for 10 years or whatever, now I'm like, if someone's building a big context with me, I just tell them, let's just cut to the chase. Because you don't need to tell me how much you love me and how much you really want to see things right and... Uh, and my, your mama's background and your daddy's background and everybody's background just to get ready because you're scared to talk to me. Just go ahead and tell me. I'm afraid if I do, you're gonna push me out. Just go ahead and drop it. Let's go ahead and go for it. It says, after you do this enough times, you know that in your life that people need to come up and represent sometimes something that's going on with them and you need to hear them out. We need to be a good listener. And sometimes we need to speak up. If you don't speak up, you can become passive aggressive. If you do dominate the conversation and force it, you become dominant. That's not healthy in communication style. It's better to get the peace of God and present what you have to the other person. And when John's preaching, I mean, we might not think this, but this is what he's saying. He's saying there's a healthy way that we can come together and relate to one another. There's a healthy way that God's made for us to come in relation so that we don't divide our families. This has been the biggest thing in my family. This this what I'm giving to you from the Lord is the biggest thing. We, We try to... A lot of people, they get into God in the mountaintop, and we love that. But let me tell you, God's in the valley. God's in your everyday life and your family. Actually, I think you'll come to know him more. Sweeping the floor, washing the dishes, helping around the house, providing, taking care of things. I think you get to know him really well there. A lot lot of the culture today, you know, is saying this to us, like, allow me to have a voice. Let me share this with you. If someone's talking and you have to cut them off really fast, check yourself. Please listen to me. Check yourself. Your presupposition and paradigm and your perspective may be off if you've got to interject before someone can finish what they're saying you need to be quiet you need to listen and when the pain comes sometimes of what they're saying and you go into a discernment period allow that deeper truth to come into your heart so that you can be changed don't just cut people off I, I spent a lot of years of my life doing this uh, The Lord had to open my eyes up to it. I have a wonderful wife. She's helped me a lot. But if you feel an interjection like, and you cut them, I'm telling you, it'll divide the other person from you. Please take time to listen to one another and don't cut into people's conversations. Let them finish what they're saying. Proverbs gives us instruction about that and says that pride is on the back end of that. I've met some really wonderful people in here. Y'all, are, some of you, you have the most phenomenal ability. I've watched some of you with your uh, spouses and children, and I've taken a lot myself from you. And I've watched you as you just sit there and listen and watch and observe. I've watched some of you with your spouses, and I've been so blessed because we observe one another, you know. And I've watched, I've watched many of you when. I watched one particular couple one time when she was making an accusation against him in front of me. And I thought, if that was me, I would be like, oh, I wouldn't like that, you know. And he just sits there as calm as he can. He doesn't say one word and he lets her express herself. And I was really, really like blessed by that. And I'll never forget it. There's somebody even in this room blessed me personally to watch and observe the meekness of Christ operate in your life. Thank you. I don't believe that when John the Baptist said, what your, wife's, your brother's wife is doing is wrong, that he was in somehow non-loving. You know what he was doing? He couldn't stand there and stand back and watch those that were in leadership in the nation Continue. To walk in a way that was haphazard related to relationship of husband and wife. He had to say something. Knowing more than likely that he would suffer the indignation from Herod, which he did. You know what's going to happen to him, right? He's going to lose his head over it. Was it worth it? it was listen we're being challenged right now this this nation's being challenged <laughs> we're being challenged there's some things that you're going to have to just say i just can't do that i'm not going to do that i cannot partner with that i even what you're doing is wrong i love you i want you to know this savior this in my heart, what He's done for me, but I cannot participate with that. And I won't. And for some people, they may lose income over it. Let me just be forthright. Some some may lose their income. Some may lose their lives. Especially as this the days get darker, people will. Listen, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Listen, you can go... Listen, stay loyal to Jesus. I'll make a little plug for a movie. I don't know if you've seen this. It's called A Hidden Life. Um, if you want to, if how many of you have seen that film? Okay, mom's seen it. Uh, a Hidden Life. It, it's, it's set in the time of uh, World War II in Germany. And it's, a, it's about an officer who gets out of the military and starts to realize what's going on with the German war machine. And he slowly, basically keeps his heart loyal to the ways of Christ. It's profound. Let's stand together. Now, hey, there's, a, there's an element of solemnity here. There is, there's an air of sober-mindedness here. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you this. There's also a great joy here. Because when you go all the way for Jesus, I mean, he said this in Hebrews chapter 12, I believe it says about him, he said, who for the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame. Look, you can despise the shame, but listen, there's a joy on the other side of us saying, in relation to John, no matter what, even within my family, I'm going to stand for the Lord. If I I can, some of you in this room, I know this has happened to you, I mean, Kara and I, we've lost hundreds of f- friends. And we love them. But sometimes you just, not mean, just sometimes you just have got to say all the way for Jesus. And you're that kind of people. That's who you are. Yes, Tom. Uh, uh. A peculiar people, a holy people, a royal family. Listen, the self-justification is strong. For us a lot of time to justify certain things in our life we can make all kinds of things but here's the thing you know the Lord and when you know the Lord don't justify anything that you don't have a peace about with him don't justify it don't say well I'm gonna let that slip and that's okay don't do that don't let it, don't let it slip just before you this morning Lord and what if I did something I shouldn't do listen This is what John's saying. He said, don't flee from this, what we're talking about today. Don't flee from the coming wrath. Don't flee from him because he, he delights in you and loves you. So listen, if I slip in the military, when I flew aircraft, the plane can slip when you're going into a turn and you have to put in a rudder correction to keep that from happening. Sometimes you have to, it's kind of like in a car too, you oversteer. If you're going into a hard turn, you Turn the steering wheel in the direction that you're losing grip, right? If that's happening in your life, just put in the correction. It's called repentance, but let's not make this difficult. Let's not beat ourselves up. Put a correction in. Put a rudder correction in. Put a steering wheel correction in. Make a little course correction so that you stay in the lane. Don't beat yourself up. Listen, I'm not here to do that to you. You're the saints of God. The Lord rejoices in you and loves you. But but when the wind is blowing against you and life is trying to throw you off course and things are coming against you, this is real. And all John's saying is don't run from that. Run into it. Turn yourself into it. Turn yourself into the wind. Don't go with it. Make a correction. We, we would have 50-knot winds blowing on our aircraft. And I can't, I used to have to do this in my head, but I had to put in a degree transition into the airplane and then over, you know, correct. Now wind would hold my, our plane would be going, be facing that direction, but be flying like that, right? Take a course correction if you need to this morning. Ask yourself with me by the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, I don't want to flee from the coming wrath. I want to steer my course right into your presence. Lord, if there's any kind of course correction, a steering correction I need to make this morning, what John's talking about, I just want to place myself and posture myself to make that slight course deviation so that I can stay right on target. But Lord, it might look like I'm going in the wrong direction. I got my nose pointed the wrong way. But I can see that I'm walking in your presence and I want to stay in your presence every day, every night. I don't want to get out of your presence. Don't let the enemy lie to you that being in the presence of God is a haphazard thing and that you can't be in his presence all the time. Now, I'm telling you, you can be in his presence all the time because I'm, becoming, I'm coming to know that myself. You can dwell in the presence of the Lord every day. It don't have to be one high on this day and another low. You can be found in him every day. You wake your head, you're in his presence. You go to bed, you're in his presence. All day long, people, things, situations coming against you, you are not moving. (laughs) Because you found the one your soul loves. And it don't matter what kind of correction you have to make. You'll make one for love. Because you were made for love. The wind goes whatever way it pleases. The Holy Spirit is moving. Let me get on the let me get on the wind, Lord, and ride with you. Tell me not to just drown in my own perspective or someone else's about me. I just want to be in you. I want to fly with you, Lord. I want to be with you, Lord. Five degrees left. Set course 270. Six degrees right. Set course 006. 10 degrees. Set it at 100. Set speed as fast as this thing will go. (laughs) Let's do it. have communion together come up receive communion we'll we'll take communion together together. Um, <laughs> Broke it, and he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He has and he said, This is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.